Welcome to Choosing Leadership, a podcast for high performers with big dreams and for leaders who know that they are more powerful than the level that they are currently playing. I am Sumit Gupta, your host and the founder CEO of the Deploy Yourself School of Leadership. I am here to help the best leaders get better and to help organizations massively improve their output and impact and at the same time eradicating workplace stress. Yes completely eradicating not just reducing completely eradicating i believe in creating a future and a work culture where people wait for mondays not fridays and get to do their most meaningful work the aim of this podcast is not to provide you more content but instead shift the context under which you operate this podcast is titled choosing leadership because that is what leadership is a choice In each episode I will celebrate leaders who have made such choices which are not always easy and comfortable but which has helped them get to where they are today. And let us celebrate the leader in us for choosing to move over our fears, for choosing to be motivated by something bigger than ourselves and for choosing to deal with every challenge that comes on the way. Let us celebrate you right now for stepping into the unknown and taking courageous action as those were the moments when you chose leadership at the end i will share how you can be our next guest on this podcast and with that let's get started in the interview jeel the ceo of rotime shares his journey from being a mechanical electrical engineering to becoming a ceo he discusses the challenges of transitioning into a leadership role emphasizing the importance of letting go and providing a framework for his team he outlined his bold vision for his company's growth aiming to double the turnover in the next few years he also shares personal insights on time and energy management emphasizing the value of micro breaks and setting priorities to optimize productivity throughout the conversation he brings a refreshing mix of confidence vulnerability and a commitment to continuous improvement hi kale welcome to the choosing leadership podcast Hi Sumit, thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to the conversation. Absolutely. It's a pleasure to have you here with us. Can you start by sharing a little bit about yourself and what do you do? Yes, of course. My name is uh, Gilles Sebrechts. I live in, in Belgium close to Antwerp. I'm the CEO of ProTime, which is a, a workforce management company. We're a solutions company or a technology company that specializes in everything around time management. Time in attendance for payroll processes but also employee scheduling employee rostering and access management solutions are part of our portfolio so that's the very short intro yeah, i'm 30 yeah. years old so i'm still quite young to be a ceo i've been doing this now for almost a year and a half and by background i'm an engineer so i mm. don't have anything actually with payroll or with hr software mm. but rolled into it rather organically i would say so can you share a bit more of that organic journey right how did you move from being an engineer to a ceo can you share some uh, like crucial moments on that journey yeah there are a couple of crucial journeys i would say i uh, actually started out as a mechanical electronical engineer in my bachelor in belgium in in leuven when i studied at uni but then when it was time for my masters i i decided that was a bit too specific for me i would say or too too granular so i switched in my masters to a study 
traffic and, and logistics engineering, which is quite mathematical and it's actually building models the entire time. So I graduated then in, in Switzerland in that field. I did an internship for a consulting company that specialized in that field as well, but it's a lot of work for governments and NGOs and that type of, of companies, which was very interesting, but not fast-paced enough for me. So that left me a bit with the question, what do I do now? Because apparently it was quite hard for me to find what, what really sparked my interest, I would say. So I went into management consulting. The first years of my career, did that for about five years in, in two companies. I worked for the most part of it at Nova Reperta, which is a boutique firm in the Benelux environment. And I was specialized or leading the strategy practice by the end at Nova Reperta. And then by accident, I was doing a project for SD Works, a couple of projects actually in a row. And I started talking with the, the CFO, the COO, the CEO, because I was doing most of the, the reportings to the board. So I was quite, it was quite a visible role mm -hmm. at that moment where they asked me yeah, whether I wasn't interested to join the, the growth journey of SD Works at that time, because there was a new CEO there, Kobe Verdonk. And after a couple, yeah days of reflection, I would say I, I decided to jump uh, and haven't had any, any doubts about that afterwards or any regrets because I, I jumped in and quite quickly became their director of transformation. Did two years of, I would say, the strategy work and the internal digital transformation. I was part of my department, which was a, a very fun department. We were with uh, 130 employees spread around eight or nine countries in, in Europe, really driving that growth of SD Works or enabling and supporting that growth. So I was really having fun. I was actually not looking for another opportunity, but ProTime is, is a daughter company of SD Works and their CEO who had been their founder and CEO who had been there for 28 years was going to stop, going to do something else. And they were looking for someone from the new generation, they called mm -hmm. it at that point. Uh, and then yeah, we, just, we got to talking and actually after, I would say, a week or, or two weeks when I started talking with Peter, the CEO back then, and, and Kobe, the group CEO, it really sparked my interest. It was for me a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity at such a young age. And then I, yeah. uh, I decided to jump and see what, what would happen. And that brings me here. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that, uh, that journey. So coming back to the present moment and coming back to ProTime, can you share what is the big vision or the big dream that you have like for the next few years? Yeah, yeah, we do have quite some big dreams, I would say, or I would mm -hmm. call it like that. Or we set ourselves a very bold statement. When I joined, ProTime was, was doing around 45 million euros in turnovers, a bit less than a year and a half ago on an annual basis. And we actually told ourselves, let's take the next three to four years to double that. And let's aim at three years rather than the four. And then in the next three years after that as well, then we do want to double again. So it's actually going from 45 to 100, hopefully by the end of last, uh, next year. And then by the end of 2028 or somewhere beginning 29, our goal is to go to 20, 200 million euros in turnover, which is uh, quite a growth spurt, I would say. Last year we grew, including... The acquisition we closed at the end of the year, if you account for that over the full year, we grew more than 30%. So it's, we actually doubled or tripled the growth rate compared to the, the years before, which is a very exciting journey, but it also comes with its growth pains, I would say. Yeah, yeah. And more than the numbers of the growth, what is it uh, that you are delivering as a product or as a dream for the world that like these numbers are just a measure of? Yeah. 
So what we are really specialized in everything around time management. Our tagline mm. is we make time valuable. And it's a slogan that I really believe in or a vision that I really can support. It's, it's the most scarce resource actually there is or the most valuable resource time. And you can spend it once and then it's gone. And there are mm. limited resources that have that same fluidity, I would say. And that's actually what we try to do. We try to optimize businesses through time, through better time management, through better efficiency management. And the big dream is that in those five, six years, around 2 million people each morning use our solution to optimize their time. For me, mm. that is the, that's actually the big goal. The, and that will lead to that business goal of, of you know, quadrupling the yeah. company in a, in a couple of years. Mm. Thank you for sharing that. And as you take that, uh, as you take the company to that, uh, and also being a very young CEO, what are your own challenges? What are the biggest uh, roadblocks or like, challenges on the way? Yeah. The biggest roadblocks on the way, it's a very good question. I think it changes the entire time. When I joined at the beginning or September last year, the biggest challenge for me was stepping into that new leadership role. I was, of course, I was used to leading a department or used, I had been doing that for two years. Also, that was a continuous learning journey. I was a director, so I had HR, I had finance that was still supporting, but also keeping me in check. You, you mm. have the framework and you operate within the framework. For me, the biggest challenge in the beginning was you set a framework. I, also as a director, I did that, but it was a framework within the framework. Whereas now you, Everything boils down to what you discuss with your people. I try to give a lot of freedom, but in the end, they want to know your opinion and your opinion quite often becomes a decision. So that was a big first challenge for me to find my role there and to also not overstate sometimes because mm. I had always worked in transformational roles, first as a consultant, then as a director transformation. So I was used to pushing an organization, but a bit more from the side, influencing a lot of people sometimes overstating the ambition probably to hopefully land where you want to land. So if yeah. you then reach 80% that you're there and that, yeah, that gave some strange situations in the beginning, I would say, where I was sometimes surprised that people were really doing what I was saying. Mm. So it was a, a very strange feeling. Then yeah, as the, as the year evolved or, or now I would say after a year and a half, it's more the biggest challenge that I see now is how do we cope with that fast growth? It's, it's nice to work in such a fast-paced environment, or at least I like that. And I think most of our people like that as well. We have a very high employee engagement score so that there is a lot of drive in the company, but it's a bit my drive, I think. And the company's drive or the employee's drive is also, there's a flip side to it, to that coin, which is how do we make sure that we can keep up with that growth and that we just... Mm don't start running faster and faster, but that we also think about how do we work differently to be able to run the marathon rather than do this sprint each year. And then yeah, that's, so for me, that's the biggest hurdle. Yeah. Can you elaborate a little bit more on that? What are those growth pains? Are they like for you or for your leadership team? Or are you talking about the larger organization in terms of quality, in terms of uh, like delivery or yeah. culture? I think yeah, it's all of the, the aforementioned, mm -hmm. uh, Sumit. So it's, it starts with me. The, the bigger I think we get and the faster we grow, the less I should have a new idea each week to drive that growth. And mm -hmm. that's something that I now need to be really careful of. I think you see so many opportunities to change things or to 
improve the efficiency left or right. And But in the end, you become a bit your biggest enemy by having so many ideas. For the leadership team reporting to me, I think the next step is to become more more leaders and managers rather than also being in the teams and driving that growth together with mm. the teams. And, and that's a mindset shift. How do you manage true people or how do you execute true people rather than within that group? Yeah. Um, and for the, the teams below, the, the leadership team, because we, are quite, uh, we have quite a flat structure, we have uh, 500 people now and actually we just have two layers. So the, the management team leaders and then the teams. Um, but how yeah, they need to remain critical in that growth journey and not just keep doing things like we did them for the last 29 mm-hmm. years because then yeah. we won't make it. And it's all those elements together, I think, that need to be balanced and, and that's okay. It's a journey, mm-hmm. but it is a journey and it's with ups and downs, I would say. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. I think you have a very good pulse of, of the organization and what you're sharing is, is not too uncommon for a company of your size. And also on a journey that you are on, the glue's journey that you mentioned. Yep. And in your journey, in your own personal journey, what have you learned are your biggest trends that allows you to do what you're doing in the best capacity that you have? Yeah, like like many leaders, I think, or many young leaders, I, I had to learn to let go in the beginning. I, to let go and to not to things myself because I was really becoming a bottleneck and I actually noticed that in the transition from my previous role to my new role, given that ProTime was part of the SD Works group, it's quite autonomous, but it's still part of the same group. I was doing the two roles for, for a couple of months in the transition period until my successor was there at SD Works. And I didn't have the time anymore to close the gaps myself or close the gaps, think it are gaps, right? Or to do the things myself that I was always doing myself. And it became very apparent to me that I was doing too much. And, and of course, you can't blame your team for that because if they're used to you be always jumping in, it also becomes a habit. And, and why wouldn't they do it? Because mm. you're not involved. So you're probably not as enthusiastic about the idea and all those things. Uh, so for me, that was a, a wake-up call, but it, it took me, I would say, uh, almost the entire year, last year, to get better at that as well. Um, and it's, for me, it's going away from the content a bit from time to time, and I still like to dive in, of course, but steer more on the processes and the procedures around your team. Um, yeah. What is needed in terms of management processes or in terms of governance to make sure that everyone knows what they need to know and that you cascade through the through the organization. So for me, that's the biggest learning that I took from last year, but I still need to really drastically improve on that as well. I get mm. carried away at moments and yeah, I think it's sometimes normal as well, but that's yeah, taking that step back, providing the framework for your team and then yeah, also taking the step back and yeah, taking the time to see what happens. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, thank you for being very honest about that. I think leadership is an ongoing journey and every phase of growth will lead you with a different uh, organizational challenge as well as a personal challenge. Uh, so thank you for being uh, honest and open about it. I appreciate You're that. Welcome. Yeah, yeah. So uh, also you you spoke about time management. Like mm-hmm. that's what you do. Yeah. How is that for you? Because I see, I, I meet a lot of entrepreneurs and CEOs and one of their biggest challenges is the pressure or stress around time. So how do you deal with that for yourself or for your management team? 
it's a very good question and it's a bit, <laughs> I don't know if it's an international saying, but in Flemish or in Dutch, they say that a painter's house is never painted. And I think it's a bit the same for us with time management. Yeah. Sometimes struggle with that as well. Like every senior leader, I think there's always more you can do. And it's, I try to realize that we have a seven months old son now, my wife and me. And so it's our first child. And for me, that helped to put things in perspective as well, because you can mm. work each day from six in the morning and, and continue in the, the evening. And there will always be mails or presentations that you can reread or improve. And so that's what I try to do now is take the morning five to 10 minutes to really look at my day and to make up my mind what is really priority for mm. the rest of the day, but also the rest of the week and whether there are things that I can drop or skip or to make time for myself to book some slots to reflect to work on output which at the beginning felt a bit it felt weird for me because i wanted to be in those meetings and it felt weird to just block two three hours in a day to work on output uh, but for me that that has really helped that prio in the morning and then saying no to some things which then immediately helps to the fact that you delegate more and let things go as well yeah, I think one of my biggest learnings around time has been to slow down, to speed up. And then taking that like uh, morning, like 10 minutes uh, or two minutes even before a meeting can allow you to do a meeting in 30 minutes instead of 60 minutes. Yeah. Because you like, you let go of the worries about uh, like the people or the previous meeting and you are fully present. You are aware of what are my objectives. And as you said, many times it is about saying no and not getting sucked into a side conversation not yep. getting sucked into something which is like not the biggest objective or the biggest value that to your time as a CEO can bring. So that five to 10 minutes is, is probably, it looks like an extra time spent, but it saves time. So thank you for, yeah, uh, you're for, yeah. for adding that. Yeah. Yep. How about, how about your energy, right? How do you deal with your energy? Even as a young parent, right? That even uh, eats away at your sleep. So how do you deal with your like physical energy so that yep. your mind is in the right shape? Yeah, it's a, that's a very good question. It's something that I became a lot more focused on, I would say, about managing my own energy, where in the past it came almost naturally and, and I could keep going and you mm. didn't have that boundary because you slept through the night. And I, I'm fortunate that I don't need that much sleep to, to function well, I would say. If I sleep five to six hours, I, I really feel rested. I also wake up, so that's, that already helps me a bit. It's a natural advantage. But it's being conscious about it for me. I started tracking my sleep at a certain moment with a sports watch just to measuring then at least whether you're sleeping enough or not enough. And it, for me, it helped to get a sense of, am I doing the right things? Am I going to bed early enough? Mm. Shouldn't I just stop working at a certain hour and slow down, go for a run, go for a walk with the dog to, to decrease a bit uh, the speed of the day and then sleep well. So that's actually mm. how I try to manage it. And also by taking... Actually, a lot of micro breaks, I would say, throughout the day. My, my people know that if we have a, a meeting, a physical meeting in the office, if it's a one-to-one, -one, that they don't need to bring coffee, for example, or, or water. Because my first thing that I do is always to say, okay, let's walk to the coffee machine. We only have one space in the entire building where you can get coffee and water. It's, uh, mm. it's in the lobby. And it takes me about two minutes to get there. So then I walk with the people or with the person with whom I have that meeting towards the coffee machine. I take the coffee, I take a water and I walk back. But it's five minutes that you spend informally with people that you just talk. Mm. But it's also five minutes that I mentally relax, I think, and that I just re-energize for, for that next meeting. So it's a bit 
like you described, taking that five, 10 minutes, for me, it's that little walk every time. And I, I feel that really brings me energy. Yeah. Thank you for, sure. thank you for adding that micro breaks, right? I, I just hope you don't drink a cup of coffee every hour or every half an hour. <laughs> no, that's now the new challenge that I started drinking water and tea as well, because <laughs> that was indeed the danger that <laughs> I was yeah. drinking a bit too much coffee. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. So as your organization grows, right, it's not just you, but also the key people, especially the people reporting to you who need to step up as leaders. And as you said, not really being in the business, but working on, the, on their own teams. So how are you supporting like the people who are closest to you so that they can grow, they can learn and they can become better leaders as you do the same for yourself? I think there are two things where I try to or with, which I try to support them in the journey. First of all, I think as their leader, I try to lead by example and also be there. So I, I really try to take enough time in my calendar to structurally work on that. So every two weeks, I, I have a dedicated hour with each of them. And that's operationally, but more, I try to do that more in a coaching mindset than really operational. And I'm, I always try to be available for the team. For me, that's one of the things that always has the highest priority. So that's one thing where I try to have that teaching mindset and, and, and be the leader of the team. On the other side, um, I took an executive coach when I started in this role. I was 28 when I mm. became CEO. So I, I was really looking for some external soundboard as well, because of course I have the group CEO uh, at SD Works, but I also have that coaching relationship, but it, it's not the same. Your mm. boss versus an external. Yeah. Um, and that worked really well, actually. So for me, that worked in the first months. I really felt more confident. I learned a lot of things. And we actually extended then that trajectory to the entire leadership team. So we're now mm -hmm. working together with the team and with that coach so that they also get that external coaching. <clears throat> it's for the ones that want. It's not an obligation. But for now, most of them really use that time, some a bit more than others. But that's how I try to support the team as well. Thank you. Yeah, I think that's a wonderful example of uh, somebody external who can serve as a sounding board and show you sometimes which you can't see on your own. Yep. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So Indeed. thank you for sharing that. Yeah. So you spoke about like being very young. So I want to ask you a question, right? Is there something wrong or is there something which people get wrong about you or misunderstand about you? And then how do you deal with that? About the age you mean and probably. No, about, about you. Okay. Could be age related or it could be experience related or it could, yeah. could be anything else for that matter. I have to say that I feel it now a bit less, maybe in my previous roles or at the beginning when I was just a bit less certain as well uh, myself. I quite often felt that people thought of the, the young guy and we can take advantage of that or, or he doesn't have the experience. So let's see how far we can push him. So that's, mm. and I still feel that sometimes today. The difference, I think, is that I let that behind for myself, at least, that, that where I said, okay, I'm, I am where I am, not being arrogant about it, but just being aware and conscious that I am in that leadership position. So there, there's probably a reason for that. So I, I just mm -hmm. try to do my best each day and I don't care about that anymore. So I don't notice it that much anymore. Probably mm -hmm. it's still there and the age still comes with, yeah. Sometimes see people wondering when I walk into a room and with my leadership team, who's all older than me, and then I'm the youngest and the CEO. I think at a meeting a while ago, they thought I was the project manager rather than the CEO. For me, that's fine. And that's very human. 
Uh, yeah. I don't care about that too much as long as afterwards uh, it doesn't hinder the rest of the conversation, mm. which in 99.9% of the conversations doesn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. So what you're sharing is you have become more comfortable in your own skin, right? In your own role. Uh, and not trying too hard to either prove something or to uh, yeah. to be a certain way, but to be more authentic and yourself. Yeah, I think that for me was key to, and it was actually when I started as director at SD Works. Back then I was mm. 26 and one of the managers in my leadership team back there, he was around 45, I would say. And he, he just gave me one hint. He said, don't overcompensate, just be, you're 26. Mm. So it's okay that you have less experience. There's a reason you're on the chair. And if you need experience, you call me. I have 20 years more. So we'll, I'll support you in that discussion. And that's something that, that really stayed with me. But it took also a bit of time and I would say years to really get comfortable in that position as yeah, well. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that, uh, that openly. I think that's a challenge which uh, every leader goes through, no matter their age or experience. Uh, just the circumstances uh, become difficult and it's always easy to hide it or yeah. to brush it under the surface. So thank you for sharing that openly. Yeah. Before we wrap up, what advice would you give to, to somebody who is very young, who has big dreams and find themselves in a leadership role, which they feel a little bit out of place? Yeah. That's a question I get a lot from young people, mm. actually. So for me, the, the advice I always give is just say yes. It's, or just say yes. It, it's a bit black and white, of course, but for me, that's what got me here. And, and that's also what drives me every day. If I see a challenge and I'm intrigued by it, I always say yes. Uh, mm. Or if they ask, what do you think about it? Can you handle that? I quite often find myself saying yes and then afterwards Googling what I just said yes to, for example. And then I try to do it with passion. And for me, that's the, the biggest advice I can give. Try to do it with passion. Don't think too much ahead about, of course, you need to balance the risks and the opportunities. But if you start overanalyzing all those things, you don't do anything anymore. So for me, that's actually key to, to jump and then be confident in your ability. And at the moment that you feel you're stuck or, or you don't know where you're going, that you ask for mm -hmm. help. For me, those two, two things, keeping them really in balance, the confidence and the asking for help, that's the, the biggest tip I would say I can give to young people. I think that's wonderful. And that's a wonderful, like two, two sides of the of uh, another coin, right? That many times we have opportunities, but we don't feel that we are ready. Like, I don't have it all. I don't know it all. I'm not good enough. But then once you enter into a role, it's so easy to just get too tight and try to like be the hero or try to do it all by yourselves and not uh, saying, I want help. I need yeah. your input. And to not to see that as a sign of weakness. In fact, not asking for help is, could be a sign of weakness because then that's not uh, helping you do your role as well as you can. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think that for me, that was maybe the biggest learning over the, the last eight years then in my career. I haven't met anyone who had it figured out completely hmm. in senior leadership roles. Also as a consultant, it, it becomes very visible because people were very open, but also in my previous role, everyone struggles from time to time. And I think that's okay. Hmm. And that's also the fun part. If there was a playbook for it, it wouldn't be leadership. It would be, yeah. I yeah. don't know what it would be. Yeah, yeah you're not. You're a machine then if it's just uh, yes or no. So that's uh, for me, that's also a realization to keep in mind or a, a fact to keep in mind that everyone mm. is looking for answers and that no one has all the answers, I think. Yeah, absolutely. So thank you once again for everything that you shared. 
uh, as we end this, what is the best way for anybody who might be listening for them to reach out to you to find out what you are up to or what your company is up to? Uh, I think the easiest way is it's just via LinkedIn. I'm, uh, I'm quite approachable there. So people can see my background and, and just send me a message there and then we'll, we can get in contact. Absolutely. So thank you once again. And I will make sure to include uh, those links in the show notes. All right. Uh, perfect. And as we end and as we start a new year, I want to wish you all the best for the year that lies ahead. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me as well. It was very fun uh, talking to you. And of course, the best wishes for you as well in the new year, Sumit. Yes, thank you. That's it for this episode of Choosing Leadership with Sumit Gupta. I choose leadership every time I record this podcast. And I invite you to do the same. I invite you to design a life of joy, meaning, pride and satisfaction. Not just for yourself, but for everybody around you. If you got something out of this episode, would you share this episode on social media? And if you know somebody who would be a great guest, can you tag them on social media to let them know about the show? And if you are a leader who wants to acknowledge how far you have come and have big dreams for the future, please reach out to me to be a guest on this podcast. And I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. This is what I do most naturally to lovingly and gently provoke you, to help you see your own light, to help you see what you are already capable of. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and it means a lot to me and my team. If you want to know more, go to deployyourself.com and subscribe to my newsletter or follow me on LinkedIn. I want to thank everyone who contributed to making this show a reality. And I want to thank you for listening. Always remember that you are enough, you are loved and you matter. This is Sumit. Until next time, keep choosing leadership.